We are excited to be here today. I'm here interviewing missionary Kathy, who does ministry work with children and their families in Honduras. So I want to say welcome, bienvenida a Kathy. Yes. Thank you. It's good to be here. Awesome. So our church supports Kathy, and we want to hear today about her ministry overview about what she does and what she's been called to do in Honduras. Okay, so my name is Kathy Meisen. I serve as the director of a ministry called Schools of Hope here in the capital city of Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Um, we, our main focus, our passion, our vision is to bring hope um, to children specifically, but also the communities where they live. And so 10 years ago, our ministry started um, teaching Bible classes in schools and partnering with communities. And really over the past 10 years, we've just increased our impact, not just in the public schools, but now working in partnership with communities, installing filters, teaching Bible classes, nutrition, um, tutoring. And um, it's really exciting to see because so many families struggle uh, to provide, and we get to just come alongside them and partner with them. So that's what Schools of Hope is about, and um, I'm just, I'm excited that I have the opportunity to serve here. Now, Kathy, could you tell us how you started in this ministry and how God took you to Honduras? Sure. So I actually served as a children's pastor in Canada for 17 years. I worked in Windsor and Petroleum, some churches doing children's ministry. I was a children's pastor, but I always had a heart for missions. Um, since I was a kid, I went to Bible college and studied um, to potentially be a missionary one day. And um, I just never felt God's call to go. And um, in 2014, I think it was in January of 2014, I came to Honduras on a three-month um, sabbatical. I had taken a break from my children's pastor job so that I could come and um, come alongside the directors and the team here at Schools of Hope. And during that time, um, I had gone on many missions trips. And every time I had gone, I had always asked God, is this where you want me? And I never felt God say yes or never felt anything really. I just felt like there was no response. And so I asked the same question when I was here. It was about partway through my three months. And I was in one of our church services here. And I remember looking out the window of the church and it had an amazing view of the entire city. And I asked God, I said, is this where you want me? And within minutes, um, I just felt a complete peace flood over me and God say yes. And I had already been thinking about the fact that could I see myself here? Is this, you know, something that I could do? Because I love working with kids and I love missions. And so it was like, this seems like a really good fit. And they were looking for an administrator, which is one of my giftings. And I was like, okay, but the funny part was, is a lot of people were saying like, you should be a missionary. You should go there full time. You're not going to come back to Canada. And I was like, don't say that unless God tells me I'm not just going to like quit my job and move to another country because that's a really big deal. Um, but as soon as that happened in the church, I had a peace. And from that moment till the day I came back here on November 11th, 2014, which was like seven months later, I had a complete peace knowing that this is what God had for me. And every single detail came together and raising support. And um, it was just, it was an amazing testimony because I had thought as a kid that my you know, that seed that was sort of planted in my heart had died. 
and that maybe I was never going to do full-time missions. It was just going to be a short-term missions thing. But at the end, I was like, you know what? God was kind of germinating below the surface, and it took those years of ministry to be prepared and ready to do what I'm doing here. And so it's a pretty pretty amazing story. That's the short version, but um, I know that this is where God has me, and it's been exciting to see the leadership um, gifts that I have that have been able to help our ministry grow over the last um, six and a half years that I've been here. And um, when you know you're exactly where God wants you, there's just, it's just amazing. Amen. That was awesome listening to how you were listening and being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, how it wasn't by your will, by your might, by what you wanted, by what people would tell you, you wanted to know that it was God who was sending you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So now, Kathy, we would love to hear about more in detail about what you're doing with the water filter system, with the children's ministry, the teaching aspect of the ministry, and also the relief that you're providing after two hurricanes hit you in November. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to share this um, video here. This is our city of Tegucigalpa in the ministry area where we work. Um, it's just on the outskirts of the city. And this area actually was founded 22 years ago after Hurricane Mitch came through. Um, most of these families had lost their homes in the hurricanes. And so they um, kind of established themselves here in 1998. There's over 34,000 people within four communities that we're partnering with. Um, Schools of Hope's main focus is children and bringing hope. But as that started, we started realizing that it's not just about the children, but there's partnerships with the public education system, with the local health unit, um, through our nutrition programs, as well as through our water filtration project. And then as that expanded, we're like, okay, now there's families, there's, there's outreach opportunity there's community development um, most this area from where it started even in the last six years since I've been, been here so many more of the homes have advanced they have better quality not all of them but um, it's pretty amazing to see that the impact that has happened over the last several years that people are lives are being impacted and changed and um, one of those programs that we have that does makes a huge difference is this one here um, is our child care plus sponsorship program we have 285 kids in the program and this video is just showing um, that last week we were giving out the school supplies for the kids and even though classes will continue to be online um, they still need the basic supplies to be able to do their homework and submit things to their teachers and so um, that has proven to be a challenge especially over the last um, year with the co with COVID and the impact of locking down and shutting down things um, it really impacted the students because this area does not, most of these families struggle to buy water or food for themselves. So having internet in their home is not always, um, you know, a priority, which was hard because so many of the kids needed to have internet or access to data to be able to, to do their schooling. And so they were using their phones um, through an application called WhatsApp and teachers were sending out messages and 
So through the sponsorship program, we were able to come alongside these kids. We have a tutoring program that helped them so that they wouldn't lose their school year. And um, it's just for me, knowing that we're helping these kids in such a practical way, and it's through sponsors in Canada that are helping them. Um, through the other programs, we also have a nutrition program that feeds the, the kinders and preschoolers. Um, in their schools. And so even with lockdown, we were able to um, get the food and supplies and be able to send it home so parents could, could prepare the food um, at home, especially during the COVID season. So that was a blessing. So many of them were grateful. Um, not only have we given out the nutrition food, but through the sponsorship program, the families have received food bags every month as well. Um, and so that has been a huge blessing because so many families um, couldn't leave the area because they didn't have access to transportation. So everything they had was within that community. And um, as some of the kids were writing their letters to their sponsors at Christmas, they were saying how grateful they were and thankful because not once during COVID have they been without food. And it's because the sponsors were providing that support for them. And so that just warmed my heart because it made me realize that, you know, sometimes we think that our money has to buy everything for someone, but just a $25, $35 bag of food um, literally helped these families make it through this really difficult time and season. And so again, the school supplies that they're walking home with here, um, those are things that are going to help them succeed in this school year. Um, we're really hoping they'll get back to, um, to school. It's looking like it may not happen until June, which I know you guys have had your own um, challenges there as well with the school system. So um, yeah, that's one of the biggest impacts there. And then because, like I said, we've been working in this community for 10 years. Um, when they moved there, this whole area basically was like squatter's field, like kind of on the side of a mountain. And so for the last 20 years and still today, um, this is this water truck is what brings them water to bathe, to wash their floors, do their dishes, do laundry. Um, and for many families, if they have the money, they will buy like the, the bottled I think it's a Culligan in Canada or whatever, but they'll buy the five gallon jugs of water, uh, but they're more expensive than this potable water. And so a lot of families were struggling with bacterial infections, diarrhea. Um, we attempted to side of the mountain um, back in 2016. We hit water, but then we lost it because of you know, some caving in and stuff. And so we were like, but these people still need water. It's a basic necessity for every single, for everyone in life. And so in 2017, after trying to figure out what to do after the, the failure of this well, we decided that we would start a biosand filter project. So this video here is our co-workers, Walter and Henry. They're getting a biosand filter set up in a home. Um, it's a plastic container that actually comes out of Michigan, and we partner with another missions organization here um, to be able to install these filters. So it's it's called a biosand filter, and they fill it with two different kinds of gravel um, and then sand. And it's it's weird because it's so basic. It's rocks and sand. But within, um, within a few minutes, as the water filters through, um, it becomes 99.99% pure and clear. So it's hard to see maybe in this video right now, but like 
the water looks, we call it horchata because that's a famous Latin American drink, but it looks like chocolate milk, almost like dark brown. And within minutes, it will come out. Um, it will come out purified. It's amazing. Um, and so this community has been in desperate need of one, I mean, a basic necessity of water. But one of our hearts behind this was God had opened the doors for us within our school district to go in. Currently, we're in like 21 elementary schools and kinders and a few high schools. And God had opened those doors for us within the public school system. But this project opened doors that we could actually go into people's homes, that we can not only give them safe, clean drinking water, but that we can help bring um, the living water, which is Jesus. And so this is my coworker, Walter, talking to the family. Um, we explained to them how to maintain their filter and how to keep it clean and, you know, what to do if there's any problems. If they have questions, they talk with them. And my favorite part of doing the installations is when we start talking about Jesus. We explain to them um, who he is and how he can change their lives. We pray with them. We ask, you know, we ask for their prayer requests and we pray with them. And then we try to find out if they go to another church, if they're connected anywhere. And if they're not, we recommend one of the churches within the community. And so that is probably, as much as I love that we're giving out water, I love the spiritual component because it just goes together. And it's a very holistic approach in the sense that we're not just giving one thing, but we're also, you know, sharing the gospel and partnering with families. And we go back every, um, every six months, we're going back and checking the filters. So we're following up with families, we're asking them, you know, questions. If they, they need prayer, we pray with them. And now, uh, the community where we work when we started, it is one of the highest areas with gang violence. And now when we go through the area, yes, there's still gangs. There's the, the, um, the robberies and stuff within the country is, is horrible, actually, if you really read the news about what goes on here. And so um, when we started this, there was a lot of hesitation, like, who are you guys? But now, like, I can drive through the neighborhood by myself as a single female, and I have no fear. I'm not worried about, you know, some, I mean, sometimes the guys will call out and say silly things, but um, we see smiles on faces. People know us. I've actually been inside many homes. Um, and so that relationship has been built through the years, not just through our kids' programs, but now also through this water project. And um, I'm pretty proud of it because it's exciting to see such a basic necessity is bringing joy and happiness um, to faces like these guys here. That's incredible work. Hearing Escuelas de Esperanza, you are giving them esperanza. You are giving them hope. You are giving them hope in Jesus. And it's thrilling to hear about your passion for that, that in the end, you you love community building, you love people to to know of what you guys are doing, and you want to help them, you want them to feel loved, but you want them to know that the root of that love and the source of that love comes from above, it comes from Christ. So thank you for that wonderful uh, work that you're doing for the wonderful message and for that desire and, and passion that you have that that is contagious for other people. Now let's move on to talking about missionary work and aspiring missionaries. You went through quite some devastation and quite some scary times, if we can say, in November when 
Honduras was hit with not only one, but two hurricanes. And I imagine that was your first time ever encountering natural disasters that what was that like for you? And what can you tell other aspiring missionaries who are thinking, hey, I want to go on the mission field, but now I'm listening to Kathy and there's natural disasters that are going on, hurricanes. Okay, how can you speak to this? So the first thing I would say is for anyone who wants to do missions, um, it first of all, it has to be a call from God. It can't just be, oh, I want to travel or, oh, I want to go see Costa Rica or Honduras or whatever. Um, because living overseas permanently is very different than just going on one week or even a three-week vacation. Like it's, you're engaging in the culture and getting to know the people, the language. And so for me, I'm like, man, you definitely have to be, God. <laughs> it needs to be something that you feel confident in and um, go on various short-term missions teams. I know right now it's really difficult to travel, um, but get involved in local missions and other outreaches within your area and the community. Um, and when we're able to travel again, you know, do some short-term teams because I actually went on a three-month trip to Ukraine several years ago, more than 10 years ago, and I was convinced I was going to stay there. And by the end of it, I was like, get me out of here. This is not, I do not, Russian is hard. Um, I was not, I didn't feel that I was supposed to be there because I never felt God say, Kathy, this is where I want you. And so when I came home, I was scared and I thought I'm never going to do this full time because it didn't happen. But fast forward like 10 years and now I'm living overseas permanently. I've been here over six years. So the call of God is huge. Um, but also explore other opportunities because, um, as you were saying, like we did, we had two hurricanes hit in November after already being in lockdown for like eight, seven months, eight months with COVID. Um, there was lots of restrictions that are very different from Canada. I mean, this country, police and military are the streets. And so you could only go out certain days. So that stress of having your freedom and limitations, um, for me, that's just normal for Honduras. But as a North that we can't do certain things and so that was that was tough I know a lot of missionaries really struggled with losing the ability to do what they needed to do in their freedoms um, and then when the hurricanes hit already people were struggling the, the, the poor who were poor before COVID um, were even more so by September October and then when the hurricanes hit um First thing I could think of was, like I said, the communities where we work were established after um, the hurricanes in 98, which destroyed this country. And, and it's still taken 20 years to, you know, the fact that we, there's no running water in the communities where we serve. So in my mind, I was mentally preparing myself for what happened then, um, because our city was hit badly, like really bad. So mentally, I was psychologically preparing myself for the worst and just had people praying and praying. Um, it was supposed to be a category five hurricane. By the time it hit, it had gone, it had downgraded to, um, I think when it hit the coast, it was maybe category one. Um, but by the time it got to us, it was a tropical storm and it um, did not destroy our city, but it definitely impacted many parts of the country. And so I was thankful, obviously, that what happened here wasn't as bad. Um, 
but it still destroyed and took away lives and people's homes in many of the lower layer, sorry, lower lying areas in the country. Um, and so immediately we wanted to get involved and we jumped in and sent a team up to help with some cleanup efforts. But then 10 days after the second hurricane came, and I was like, okay, God, we prayed through that last storm. Let's do it again. And I, it was very, it was like an emotional roller coaster because people, we knew it was coming, but it took like three or four days because you could see, you know, the, the, the map showing it coming. But the couple days before, everyone's like, are you okay? And I'm like, it's a sunny day today. Like, so just that anticipation of the worst that could possibly happen. Um, and then it didn't happen again because so many people were praying. It what was a category five when it hit and then it downgraded and downgraded. And I was just like, for me, it stretched my faith and it challenged me um, in good ways and some tough ways, you know, to be like, okay, God, like you protected your people, but there's still so much devastation. And a lot of the areas that were the first time were double hit. And so um, just to connect it with some of the stuff you guys are even hearing in the news about the caravans and people, the immigrants wanting to come um, through the U.S. and stuff, it is such a, a real situation for so many Hondurans. Um, they lost everything. I mean, there, we're still, we've been down there four times to help with cleanup and efforts, um, but people have lost they, they don't have their jobs because so many people lost businesses because of COVID. And then when the hurricanes came, even more have lost jobs. They don't, they can't pay their bills. They, they don't have access to, you know, government funding does not, we didn't get any SERB checks or anything here. Um, you know, like there's certain, certain benefits that we, we get as Canadians. Um, it just doesn't exist here. And the government does help, but there's so much corruption that, you just don't know what's really happening. And so being coming alongside my Honduran family, my staff, my team, and, you know, wanting to pray with them and pray that God will keep them safe, that he'll continue to provide. Um, it's, it's emotionally draining. I won't lie. In December, I was fried. <laughs> I was so exhausted. Um, we were able to continue ministry. It looked a little different um, during the COVID season. And even still, we're still making adjustments. Um, and then to have the hurricanes come. And by December, um, it was like, okay, is this year done yet? Which I think probably all of us were feeling that way. Um, but there was just some other cultural aspects to it that I thought, man, I need this time. I need a vacation. So I was happy to be able to go see family over the holidays. But um, making a commitment to being a missionary, is, it's a big commitment. It's not just, um, it's not just a short-term thing. And there's also sacrifices like not being able to see your family and, and learning to adjust to the culture that you work with is, um, it's a continual process. I'm still taking Spanish classes um, and I've been here over six years because I'm fluent, but I still am not 100%. So there's lots of um, challenges and there's lots of great benefits as well, but you you definitely have a lot of work to do. It's not just something you you can easily do. And like I said, the call of God is is huge if you want to succeed. So hearing about the poverty, unrest, persecution, and possibly intensely held belief systems that are holding people in fear or in bondage in countries like Honduras, 
we believe that there is hope and there is freedom in the beautiful people that you're ministering to there in Honduras, and especially for the children, our, our future leaders. In Psalms 78, 4, it says that we want them to imitate great things in these changing times. We will not hide from them the history of God's hand from their children, but we will tell to the coming generation the glorious seeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done. So we want our children, our future leaders to, to know what you are doing, to know why you're doing this. So how can we help support your vision? How can we help support these children who we know will, will be great leaders? That is awesome. I mean, honestly, I truly believe that it is the power of God that's going to change lives, which is why we want to invest in the children. Um, we want to see their lives transformed and changed. And one of those big areas is through our Child Care Plus sponsorship. You're helping a child and their family succeed. Um, we want to see their lives change. We have seen that. Actually, some of our graduates now work for us, and they're investing back into some of the programs that we do. So by sponsoring a child, you're not just helping that one child, but their family. And I mean, we have other, we have various projects, like our water filtration project is amazing. It's impacting people's lives um, with their health, as well as empowering them. Um, but overall, it's like just supporting the work of missions. I mean, some of our projects are through Erdo. Um, so you can go to the erdo.ca website. And if you go slash Honduras, you can see some of the various projects we have. Um, our tutoring program is helping the kids receive an education because we believe that if they can achieve their dreams and goals through education, that they can change the world, um, that they can impact their communities. And we're starting to see that. Um, I mean, again, being here for 10 years, you start seeing the, the impact. And so by supporting the work that we're doing, whether it's through our projects or through prayer, I mean, financially, yes, obviously makes a huge impact, but prayer is a huge thing as well, because there is so much darkness in this world, which I know we all know, but where we serve. God gave me a vision my first year here that the longer we keep just sharing his light, there's going to be a day that the light of, that there's going to be light glowing from that mountainside. And it's not going to be the electricity. It's actually going to be the light of Jesus Christ because he's changing and changing those communities. He's changing lives. And so that's how you guys can support us through finances and through prayer. That's beautiful knowing that God's hand has surely brought you there. He's bringing you through and that there is hope. There is that light of Christ and that he is going to be shining upon those children and everything you're doing. Um, amazing. So we would like to take this time now to pray for you and ask that God would continue to renew your strength and to continue to anoint you to do his work. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we exalt your name. We glorify your name. We give you praise, glory, honor, for you are holy. So holy, holy, Lord. We thank you, God, for this amazing opportunity to hear powerful stories of what you're doing through Kathy and her ministry, the ministry that you have given to her, God. 
And I thank you, Lord, for fructifying it, for multiplying the people under her to work with her and for multiplying the, the people who send her, God. I thank you so much, God, for the strength, the perseverance, the endurance, that spirit that you have given her to not stop, but to keep pressing on, God. I thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of fear and anxiety and of changing times, you are her constant. You are her shield. You are her refuge, God. I thank you, Lord, because you have kept her safe throughout this time. You have kept her safe from illness. You have kept her safe from natural disasters. We thank you for your miraculous hand. And we thank you for her obedience to you, God, for listening to how you direct her, Lord. In the moments where she has felt that her strength has ended, Lord, you have picked her up and renewed her, Lord. And I thank you and I praise you for that, God. I thank you for the time that she's been able to have with family who have been able to come there and visit and um, almost a year ago, God, and, 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 and give her that, that new sense of strength and encouragement that she's also needed. And we want to encourage her, God. So we pray that you continue to anoint her, continue to fill her cup, continue so that it would be overflowing God continue so that she can fill herself up every day with your word through prayer and fasting and meditating on you and who you are God so that she can pour out into those around her Lord into her staff into the children into her community God we are praying that you continue to shine your light through this God through this ministry through the turmoil through the anxious times that are happening there in Honduras God we are praying God you continue to um, help her with her giftings and talents that everything she touches Lord would be blessed that everything that she does in your name would be blessed God and we are praying Lord that financially that no support would lack we are praying for those who are giving or who want to give that you would continue to touch Lord so that the generosity would continue to pour in Lord so that we can continue to do the work that you've called us to do by sending her by providing for food by providing for those water filters by providing for the tutoring by providing for the nutrition god by providing for everything that she needs to accomplish what you have called kathy to do and so today lord we we thank you for her life we thank you for the advice she's given to young missionaries to those who might feel called compelled to go out into the field we pray for all those who have heard your call today who have heard that you are calling them by name to go to honduras to go to the mission field lord let your name be exalted and continue to anoint them and confirm your call in their life god use them powerly powerfully for your glory because of one woman who said yes i will go lord thank you for today thank you for your spirit and thank you for this wonderful opportunity to get to know you better through kathy in jesus name amen, amen.